The Viridian Nutrition range of 200 plus award-winning products includes vitamins, minerals, herbs, nutritional oils, specialty supplements, tinctures and balms. All formulated to be helpful, efficacious and pure. By choosing our Viridian Nutrition range, you are one step closer to your goal of 100% wellness. Ethical vitamins with an organic heart. Available at all Browns outlets. Browns and you. There are billions of women passing through similar experiences all around the world and for whatever reason, we often feel like we're alone. It's time to make a point of discussing these topics from a range of viewpoints. These conversations surpass age, race, location. They are relevant to women everywhere. Welcome to The She Word. Conversations that women rarely have, but really should. My name is Sasha host for this edition of The She Word, the Young Women's Edition, where we are having conversations which are more tailored towards a younger demographic of women. Today's show is one that I'm quite excited about personally. It's young women and sports, and we've got three incredible women, each bringing glory to their country in their own unique sporting disciplines. We're talking competing on national and international levels here, and they all have their own brilliant experience in the sport world. With me today, I have Hayley Bujeya, who barely needs an introduction. At 19, she's not only a professional Maltese footballer, but also a representative for the prestigious Italian club Inter Milan of Serie A and the Malta women's national team. Clara Zopardi, who is a three-time national champion, as a long and triple jumper and the founder of Pembroke Atleta Gymnastics at just 24 years old. And finally, Sana Grillo, who is a 23-year-old Maltese pole vault athlete and two-time national champion, but her repertoire extends beyond the vault. She's also a sports psychology practitioner and a dedicated gymnastics coach. Ladies, I must say I'm genuinely in awe of each and every one of you. Your accomplishments and dedication to your respective sports are not only inspiring, but truly commendable. Thank you all so much for being here today. I understand how demanding your schedules are, and I'm going to look at you. <laughs> quite a bit, quite a bit, I'm sure about that. I'm just happy to have you on this table, honestly. It means a lot for you to have taken the time to be part of this conversation. So let's get started and uncover some of the inspiring stories behind your remarkable journeys. Now, um, before we get into our conversation, I've already introduced you, but I would like you all to take a moment to introduce yourselves and perhaps mention something which I haven't. Hayley, you want to kick us off? I'm going to start? Yeah. Okay. That was a nice intro, by the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, no, I think um, I've been playing football for like 14 years now, which... It doesn't feel that long, to be honest. Um, it literally feels like I've blinked and these past 14 years have passed by, which is crazy. Um, it's been a very hectic roller coaster, but one that I wouldn't trade for anything. Um, I'm quite privileged to say that by the age of 19, I've been to the States. I've been um, playing with Sassuolo. I've played with Inter um, and a part of the national team which is something special that I hold close to my heart um yeah I mean football's been my life pretty much ever since I was five and I know it will continue to be so and it's yeah it's just kind of nice to actually get my feelings out about it because mm -hmm. I feel like at times 
I kind of hold back from showing how much it means to me, but it's, yeah, it's practically my whole life, so. And your dedication literally speaks for itself, yeah. right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Larry? <laughs> Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, uh, so basically, I was introduced to sport at a very young age as well. Um, so I started off with gymnastics at the age of three. And I pretty much just went into the sport because my mom just loves the sport. So she wanted her daughter to <laughs> try out the sport. Um, ever since I started it, I never looked back. I mean, it's a beautiful sport. I still love it so much. Probably more than athletics, <laughs> even though I train <laughs> athletics now. Um, but that's basically the main reason why I went into coaching once I retired from the sport. So I trained gymnastics for around 13 years. Um, I also represented Malta quite a couple of times in the sport. And so now I, I started off my own club mm -hmm. um, and I have my own young team of girls um, whom I love coaching because like that, um, I stayed involved in the sport um, whilst I started a personal career in athletics. So now I've been doing athletics for around seven years. Um, and now I represent Malta um, in long jump and triple jump mainly. Amazing. And Sana? Um, so similar to Claire, I was introduced to uh, gymnastics at first. Um, I think it was just because I had so much energy as a child and my mom decided to like put me in any sport. And I did 10 years of gymnastics, which was amazing. Like the sport is... I think I have to agree with Claire as well. I think even though I'm in athletics now, like gymnastics will always be a, a big part of my life and the love to, towards the sport will always stay there. Um, uh, so I was in the national team and represented Malta as well for gymnastics. And now I am in athletics. So I tried sprinting realized I don't like to run <laughs> and uh, so then I got introduced to pole vault and to tell you the truth I've always loved seeing pole vault but I, I didn't even know I had in Malta mm -hmm. um, so now I think it's been three years doing pole vault and I amazing sport and I'm really happy like even from the background I had in gymnastics it really helps and uh, towards like throughout my whole career in sports like I realized a lot the need for for more help when it comes to the mental aspect of sport, mm -hmm. which is why I decided to go into sports psychology. I remember I remember the competition where I decided, like I remember being in gymnastics and saying, I wish I had someone that I can speak to like right now. And that's essentially why I, I decided to go into this career. So I think that's pretty much it I coach a bit of gymnastics as well because I mean it's so hard to leave the sport but pretty much that's it <laughs> what would you say was the one thing that inspired you to pursue your sports I mean you mentioned you it kind of other things led you to where you are now but perhaps you always had it in you to, you know to compete and to participate on a high level but if you had to narrow it down to that one thing that inspired you to pursue it, and you, of course, what inspired you to pursue footballing on a professional level, especially as a woman? I mean, at the start, it was pretty much my family because um, my dad used to play and my older brother still plays now a bit less than what he used to, but he still plays. Um, it was kind of a thing I grew into just because um, growing up, 
getting back home from school, going to the park. We'd always like have a football with us. Um, and my brother was obsessed at like just kicking the ball with my dad. Um, and it got me into it. Obviously, I didn't want to be the one left out, so I would always try and hop in. And that kind of gave me the the joy that football gives me now. Um, and I think nowadays, even when I, when I get a bit overwhelmed, I always bring me back to when I'm in the park um, with my family playing, which is kind of my anchor in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think professionally, it, it was a big move for me in the sense that I didn't know what to expect. Obviously, we don't really have a professional setup here in Malta when it comes to football, especially women's football. So it was a a big thing for me to just pack my bags and go and leave my family and friends behind. And it did take a lot of courage, but I'm so glad that I kind of found the spirit to do it because past years have given me so much emotions, joy, experiences, met so many people from around the world. And I think that's why football gives me that much joy because it offers me so many like variety of emotions that I couldn't probably find in something else. Um, and yeah, hopefully, obviously, everything just keeps going the way it is. And even if it doesn't, I'll always <laughs> stay um, close to football. So yeah. And competing must come with, with an adrenaline rush for all of you, right? I mean, I can't uh-huh. even imagine. I mean, she mentioned the word joy, and I think it practically describes it all because once you start competing and you start appreciating um, the experience and the feelings you get out of competition, um, speaking about myself, I'm quite a competitive person, um, and I think that's what helps you achieve your goals ultimately so once you start competing you start setting higher targets and then you achieve them or you don't and you have to work harder to achieve them and I think that's what keeps you in the sport in fact um, when I retired from gymnastics at 15-16 years of age um, I had to take a decision either just stop sport or else just go into another sport um, and my current coach is the person who actually inspired me to try out athletics. Um, he actually saw me compete in my last gymnastics competition because it was a multi-sport event. And he told me, listen, like, I know you're going to retire. Come try out athletics. And I started athletics and I said, listen, um, gymnastics was very tough, especially mentally. Um, so I needed a break from sport. And I said, let me go into athletics just for fun, you know, just to keep fit, to train. And then I suddenly started to miss that, you know, competition joy, that competition adrenaline. So I said, listen, I can't just do this for fun. I have to um, go into competition. And so I started competing in athletics as well. But I think, um, as Hayla mentioned, sport gives you so much that once you start appreciating those experiences, because sometimes an experience happens and then it goes by and you say, it flew by I didn't even realize it it happened um it happened to me like a couple of years ago I went um, I was chosen to represent Malta at the world championships and the process of getting chosen for the for the actual championships was so long and so tiring and um once I got chosen I went up I came back home and I'm like (laughs) the experience is over you know what I mean like I should have you know, appreciated more. It's the, difficult that, though. That I feel like when you're in it, it's so difficult. Once to you're in, it. exactly, and it's overwhelming so, though. As well, as well. Uh, to jump you. off what like Haley said, I like the fact that she 
okay, there is joy, definitely. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's this whole range of emotions. And you really learn yourself and who you are through sport and through all these various emotions. Because it's not just the nice side of sport. So we have a lot of difficulties, a lot, a lot. <laughs> um, uh, and you really learn yourself through the whole process of sport you grow as a person and I think that's the beauty of sport that you learn so many values mm-hmm. um, uh, throughout your whole career so I think I really liked how you use mm-hmm. that so I think honestly like I'll give an example of it so um, makeup artist Jade mm-hmm. she used to come to school with me we were like best friends we used to do projects together and I was telling her how when we went to school together this was around what maybe I was 11 12 I think and I didn't like really know who I was at the time so it was always like an awkward few years for me and I think football just helped me like find myself in a way and that was literally through even the negative experiences Mm -hmm. because I over the past years I feel like I've had so many negative experiences whether it was injuries whether it was losses could be anything and it just kind of kind of showed me like who I am, what I can offer, mm-hmm. um, what I mean. It's um, so I think like even those negative experiences, even if they aren't nice in the moment, mm-hmm. I think you'll manage to like appreciate them once you're a bit older. Yeah, exactly. So ultimately, definitely. I think sport just builds your character. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's not always going to be easy, as they mentioned. So if you lose a game in your in your case, or if we compete and we want to qualify for something and we don't, or we compete and we want to win and we don't. Um, and then it helps you fight through life as well. So once you have a tough experience, you're going through a tough experience, tough, tough period in your life, um, then you've built that strong character to keep pushing through it, exactly. basically. Exactly. You literally took it out of my mouth because it's it, it literally builds your character to stick to difficult moments and life is always going to have those difficult moments. So... In terms of sports, of course, it takes that kind of discipline and that commitment to your goal and ultimately not taking failures as something that is going to kind of um, push you even further, you know, for, from from what you want. I mean, it, it's a valuable life lesson that failures are always going to be there, but we have to kind of stick through them and eventually it will be worth it. But I want to ask you, how have you dealt with these setbacks? Like maybe there were times you didn't qualify. There were games that were lost. How did you deal with it on a personal level? Who wants to go? <laughs> I don't mind. Um, I think my family helped a lot. So um, once you have a family that supports. Um, so in my case, um, both my parents loved sports. And I think... They've built a tough character through me, basically, as well. I mean, when it's tough for me, it's tough for them, too. Mm-hmm. But um, when I have a, t- uh, um, you know, I said back in the sport, ultimately, I go home and it's it's them that have to, you know, face mm-hmm. um, my sadness as well, basically. So I think that is something that that really helped me because they've always supported me and they've always understood is very important for me that sport was always um my main my main career basically because mm-hmm. sometimes 
Um, this happens a lot. We get parents who don't understand that sport is as important as education, as other things in life. For me, it was always, you know, sport, education on the same level. We understand that sport is as important to you as education. So um, they've always supported me and helped help through it. Um, I also go to a sports psychologist at times, which really helps. And I think, um, as Sana mentioned as well, it's very important to put it out there that athletes do need extra, that extra help, because at mm. times it does become very mentally challenging. Um, and people like your family can help out, but not on the level as a professional, um, a professional can can do so so I think it's very important to mention um that um if you need that extra you know help it's very important to seek it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I might face like a different situation in the sense that I live far away from my family so growing up it was always them who kind of brought me back down to earth whether it was like after a big win or a, a big loss um they were always like incredibly supportive but they also let me be really independent in whatever i chose as long as they knew i wasn't like hurting myself or others in any way then it was fine to like go out and make mistakes they did and i think that was like the biggest turning point for me was when i decided i wanted to go abroad and the truth told them and they were like yeah we knew that already like 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 it's okay um it was still tough for them obviously but they couldn't even begin to think about not letting me go in that mm. sense and I think nowadays obviously like I'll still contact them after a game and I'll still call them but it is different when I can only see them through a phone and I can't actually feel their physical presence so I think over the years my kind of way to cope with things has developed um whether that's like through sports psychologist whether that's to friends I make um, at my team, whether that's uh, my little dog nowadays. <laughs> I was actually going to mention that. <laughs> oh, he, he actually helps so much. It's crazy. Because <laughs> after after a loss or after maybe a, a bad personal game, I'll go home and I'll have him there waiting for me. <laughs> and with his little happy feet, just come <laughs> running up to me. Um, so yeah, I think over the years, my way of coping with things have changed. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, in a way, my family is always like that number one Mm -hmm. thing that gets me through things. So I think Mm -hmm. having a good foundation, a good family to support you, that's a big, a big factor. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Something I wanted to mention, like you mentioned like failures and so on. So how I kind of, when I work with athletes, I always try and kind of, we try to change the mindset. So obviously sport, we're going to have ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Now it's from these failures, kind of, I always tell them like, failures that we're going to either take it as a learning opportunity and we're going to grow and in reality then it's not a failure but it's a way that we're going to grow because at the end of the day it's a whole process mm-hmm. the sport is a whole career so it's not just one game one competition and so on um uh, so it's either you're going to do something about it you're going to learn from these mistakes and build that resilient mindset yeah um else you don't do anything and that's when it it's not good that's when like things don't go well Mm -hmm. so that's something I wanted to mention like because you were you had said it um I think from my my perspective like Claire as well like my family has really really helped me they helped me build a strong mindset um to deal with 
with setbacks and uh, how to get back stronger at the end of the day. Um, my dog nowadays is... <laughs> Because every time, even when, when you have a bad competition, you get home and you just see them waggling. What dog do you have? I have an Italian greyhound. Oh, They're those. so sweet. And it just makes you like... They're just, always going to be happy for you anyway. Always. Like, like, yeah, I could have just like You're never missed all my down. bars yeah. and they're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think um, having social support definitely helps. Mm-hmm. So even seeking sports psychology obviously at the end of the day when I was younger I I didn't even know they existed so I always had my mom thankfully which but as Claire said sometimes you can't really speak to your family about maybe what you're feeling exactly or maybe they don't offer you as much you know it's a bit different um, uh, but it's always good that you try and seek that that support and mm-hmm. even having supportive coaches and supportive friends and so on. So, And then from a more personal level, do you have any of your own practices or kind of traditions, maybe something that you do before a game or, or, or after competing that is kind of just for you, you know? Do you have anything? That's like a ritual? Like, like for a superstition example, maybe? No. A ritual, yes, a ritual would be a, a great way of putting it. Like, for example, I practice yoga religiously. And that is something that if I'm kind of preparing for a show or if I'm nervous about something, I know I'm gonna, going to do that before to make sure that I am in the right mindset. Okay. And what, what is that thing for you, basically? I feel like I'm quite basic with that stuff. I feel like songs, I need my songs yeah. before, like, like on the team bus heading to a game, just to kind of like start visualizing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll always call my mom like a few hours before the game and that's kind of been a thing for the past few years where I just call her and I'll call her after a game so for example last game um, in Moldova was a, a tough one like for the team and because we had like such high expectations and then it didn't really happen for us mm-hmm. and then I kind of just felt this overwhelming sensation of things not going the way we want them to Um and yeah, it just kind of comes natural that I get the phone, call her. And she doesn't really need to say anything, to be honest. It's just more of that me seeing her kind of thing. Um, and I feel like the few times I haven't called her after a game, she's also been quite like annoyed about me not calling. Because I feel like also for her, maybe it's a super, uh, like a ritual thing. Oh, yeah, tradition like yeah. between you. Yeah. So I think I'm quite basic with that, but it's like those the things that maybe make a difference. So. Yeah. What about you, Claire? You have anything that stands out? Um, I try and keep my competition days as normal as possible. So we usually in Malta compete on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. I even work sometimes on Saturday mornings. Um, I would take it easy, obviously. But the fact that I'm around my girls and I'm coaching them and I'm not thinking of the competition coming up, mm-hmm. it helps me to stay to stay calm. When we're abroad, it's obviously different, but um, as well, nothing much. I just try and keep the day as going on as normal as possible. And then I'll just go into focus mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, once I arrive at the track, I barely speak to anyone. Um, so that's just me. I just um, focus. I just speak to my coach. Um, and then it's just me and the track basically funnily enough i love getting ready for competition so i set enough time to like do my hair (laughs) and do my makeup i have songs in the background i like just get like that good feeling yeah yeah um i think that would be my my 
pre-competition ritual i guess i i don't know i it just puts me at like just calms me down i don't know i feel you don't and i feel like i'm always with the speaker well. on dancing and yeah, stuff that's, yeah. that's like a natural and this was gymnastics i remember as well i used to do the same thing or they're like i find a motivational clip and i just watch it before but uh <laughs> very funny though <laughs> <laughs> so we've mentioned mental health quite a few times already and of course we have also got a sports pr- uh, um, psychology practitioner on the table with us today so I'm really curious about the work that you do and I would love to know more about it. Can you maybe tell us more about the techniques you use and the importance of sports psychology um, being present in an athlete's life? Uh So where to begin? Um, uh, So sports psychology, as you said, we use a lot of uh, strategies and techniques, tools and so on um, uh, to help the athlete with certain certain downs they might suffer from. So we talk a lot about positive self-talk. We talk a lot about visualization. You mentioned visualization. Um, A lot of calming techniques because, as you said, a lot of athletes suffer from a lot of pressures as well during competition. So we do deal with that. When we speak about team, we think about team cohesion and dynamic. Um, But what I feel the beauty of it is, okay, there is sports... And we are, the reason they came in is, yes, for sports, but there's so much character development and growth that you you help. And it's so fulfilling when you get a, a little girl, a little boy, and one one session they're just like really nervous. Like, and then the next one they come, and they're like, oh, that, I did that. I wrote on my hand, I wrote the focus. <laughs> so and it's, it's so fulfilling. And honestly, like, sometimes you go into a career, you're like, am I doing the right thing? And I remember the first time I got a client like that, I said, like, it's such a satisfying job and I'm so happy with it. Um, but uh, I think sports psychology is, in Malta, maybe not seen enough, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it is getting so much better. So again, when I was still young, I didn't even know a sports psychologist existed. Um, uh, and I think, I think, uh, the mental side of sport is very important, especially when it comes to performance. Because yes, during training you have you have mental difficulties, especially you're going through a phase where things aren't coming well and so on. Mm-hmm. But during performance, it's more things are more at stake. You have more of that pressure feeling, mm-hmm. and that all boils down to the mental side. So training has all been done physically. You're there. It's just can you perform under the pressure? Or mm-hmm. so. Sometimes we don't understand how important it is to be mentally prepared, and uh, and what's what's nice as well is every individual is different. Mm-hmm. So I see this with my brother. So my brother is the most relaxed person you'll ever meet, and I'm the complete opposite. So him, um, I forgot my spikes. Ma, can you get me my spikes? This is like a couple minutes before he runs. <laughs> I would be freaking I out, I would be never, crying, meltdown. Like, <laughs> so I think as well, this, the beauty of it is every individual is different. Mm-hmm. So every time you get uh, a new client or you you have no idea what to expect and how things are going to be dealt with. And, and that's like so nice about about the, the job, essentially. I think also, and like you, you can probably say it better than I can, but for example, like my first experience with a sports psychologist, um, with Adele, I'm pretty sure you know her. Um, she used to be at our school like every day. Um, and 
to be honest, I was always quite like skeptical about the whole idea of opening up and speaking. Um, and then like a certain experience kind of led me to just knock on her door one day and kind of speak to her. And I think at times it doesn't have to be like anything specific. Also, it can just be like about opening up because I feel like sometimes you just need like one person to open up to and mm -hmm. then you're suddenly free mm -hmm. from like the burden that you're holding. And I think um, like Dr. Adele was that for me because I was going through like a really weird time where I wasn't confident in my own ability. And just speaking about it and her like giving me her feedback kind of like opened the door for me to like see a bigger picture than what I was seeing. So no, I think it's, it's a big mm -hmm. sports psychology is big nowadays. So mm -hmm. should have been always. But yeah, yeah I mean, personally, I, I, I didn't know much about it until recently. Yeah. Um, but we're always hearing a lot about mental health, especially um with today's generation it, it has it, it it is definitely being given more importance than it used to be given before and now also kind of on the level of sports so we're discussing the importance of um mental health in sports how have you managed your own mental and emotional pressure pressures especially when competing at a high level Haley? yeah that's a difficult one because i feel like for me, at least, every game kind of offers different pressures. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it is a team sport, but I do handle a lot of like personal pressure as well. And it's never, I've never really found my way of handling it so far, to be honest. I'm still kind of in that process of getting to know myself in that sense. I obviously am around the team most of the time. So it's, at times it's even more difficult to kind of find time for myself, find the, the ways I like to go about things. I think when I was younger, it was always kind of a no pressure thing. It was always just go out there and play. Obviously with the higher levels you reach, then it's, it brings more pressure. And I think at, at this current moment in time, I feel like this year especially, it's been a very pressure filled year um, with the national team and with my club both from a team perspective and also from a, a personal perspective because I feel like I spent the majority of last year injured and that was like a, a tough year for me in that sense and this year I'm not injured um, but I, f I feel like I'm still kind of playing with that fear of being injured mm -hmm. if it makes sense so I've been trying to juggle that along with obviously getting a result um, with performing well with dealing with fatigue and it's and I think that's where obviously I need to kind of get to know myself better in the sense of me understanding what my body needs, what my mind needs, because I know what like my heart wants ultimately, but I need like my body and my mind to follow that. And again, it goes down to, I think, family most of the time for me and my friends. I feel like at times when I'm just kind of maybe struggling a bit, I'll, I'll just call someone. Uh, one of my closer friends, um, I'll speak, uh, whether, whether it's speaking about the actual problem or speaking in general. I feel like sometimes speaking in general just helps me in a weird way. And as I said, I think the higher level, the higher the level is, the more pressure it brings. And even like during the last game with the national team, we were speaking about pressure before the warm up, about not like feeling it 
too much because then it will affect her performance negatively. But you can't help it because it's it's still there. So then obviously the whole team needs to be on the same page and it's difficult because you still have your own personal struggles that you're trying to deal with, but you need to like kind of get together in our sport and make sure that you get the best out of the team. And I think also pref- pressure can be a privilege. So in that sense, if you kind of look at it from that way, that can also help you. That's very interesting. You know, actually, find kind of your, reframing it. Yeah, it's... I, That's other speaking. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. Because we it like is. do this, like it's cognitive restructuring, yeah. basically. It's mm-hmm. like from seeing things from a negative perspective, because unfortunately we do have that tendency as individuals to see things more negatively. Mm-hmm. We try kind of restructure our mind to kind of try to be more positive, to look more on the on the bright side of life, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, easier said than done, unfortunately. And it takes... It takes a lot of practice. So this is something even that I speak to athletes about. So just as when we train, we practice all those hours. When it comes to mental training, it's the same thing. You need to be practicing. So again, a lot of self-talk about how to be positive and how to see things from a different perspective. And it does take a lot of work. So it's not just something that, okay, I did it once and I know I how to do it. I think it's a process. Is that, mm-hmm. I mean, like... um you learn gradually, as Sana said, like you have you have to put it out there that you have to train mentally as much as you train physically. You have to train train your mental self to be prepared. Like for me, I used to I'm quite a perfectionist as a person. So when I went into athletics and I had um in my events we have six tries we do um in long and triple jump. And I used to do the first one and it's horrible. <laughs> Um, and it's not perfect, so I'm pissed off. And then I would, you know, um, for the rest of the competition, be pissed off. Um, my mind wouldn't be there, and then I can't continue competing, mm. and then all my jumps are bad. Um, whilst um, last year is there where I realized I really changed. I can really control myself nowadays. When we had the games of the small states, I think Sana can agree we were competing under huge amount of pressures. pressure. I mean, <laughs> the government inve- invested loads of money um, in both the athletes and the facilities, in uh, taking us up to training camps, in preparing us, in our coaches. So um, there was a lot of pressure on the athletes to perform. I mean, the pressure was on everyone, on the associations, going down onto the coaches, onto the athletes. So and you feel all of it. You feel like like and then it's, you exactly. And then it's just yeah. you who has to ultimately perform on the day. And I remember going into my first event, um, the long jump, and my first jump is a no jump, so it doesn't count. And I'm like, okay, I can't panic now. I have to, you know, stay calm. I have another two tries because um, in long jump, the first three count and then you go into a final um, and you have an additional three jumps. So you have another two jumps. um, And sometimes I foul my second jump as well. And then it's all on one jump, you know, Um, but I remained calm. And I said, I think the practice um, after all these years, I now know how to control myself. And in fact, my last jump was my best jump because I managed to, you know, stay calm and mm. keep um, competing and ultimately doing the jump, which mm. um, which I needed. So I think it's a it's a whole 
process and it takes years. It doesn't take days. It doesn't take months. As Sana said, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of experiences too. So um, now that I went through the experience of these games, I can now say that I am able to compete under huge amount of pressure and still perform. So now going into bigger competitions, I can remind myself that, listen, I competed under that pressure. I performed well. So now I'm able to do it. It's like you proved yourself to yourself. Exactly. exactly. And ultimately learning how to not let that one setback cause a chain reaction onto your other opportunities, you know? I think that's that's a very important um, piece of advice that you've given there. You are women in your sports. And of course, I think Haley might have felt this more than you, but correct me if I'm wrong, but... What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced that you feel were only kind of present just because you were a woman, not because you were an athlete? Kind of your identity kind of playing part in it, um, especially because of gender stereotypes. Um, how have you dealt with these, Haley? So I think, yeah, football is obviously kind of a stereotypical sport. It's male-dominated. Yeah, it is. Although it is getting better. Yeah, it is. It really part. is. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think so. Again, when I was five and my brother kind of like just asked me like, why should, why don't you come train like, um, with Prikrikara? And it was kind of a thing that excited me, but I also wasn't aware of any other girls playing. Mm -hmm. And even as soon as we spoke to my mom about it, she was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because who would she even play with? Um... We still rang the club and they offered that I could go train with the boys. And I literally, my short-term memory is so bad, but my long-term one, I remember it like as clear as day. I like I walking in through the gate and seeing like hundreds of boys. Just It was literally like the first session of the year, like post-summer and seeing hundreds of boys and literally not one girl there. You were the and only one. I was literally like starstruck. And I think when you're still five years of age, it's kind of like, just go for it. Like, you know, like what do you have to lose? But then as the weeks went by, it was always like a, a stress thing because I was like, I'm going to training, training with like a group of 20 boys. Coaches are boys. You wouldn't see one female coach. And it, it is tough. It's like you can't relate th in the same manner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I literally spent the next six years training with the boys because there wouldn't be oh. any youth groups of my age. And I remember at 10 years old, um, Birker Carl literally offered me to train with the senior team. And we're saying... How old were you? I was 10. Oh my God. This was the year before I left Birker Carl because they were scared that they might lose me if I didn't... Because you can't like keep playing with the boys forever, obviously. Yeah. And I went and I tried. And I mean, some of them were my teammates today. And they're 30 now, but they were 20 back then. So there was like a huge gap difference. And I was, I mean, I was still a little kid. Oh. And thankfully. Sweet. I can imagine like the whole group, <laughs> like it's no. seniors and then you're 10. Literally, <laughs> I was 10. And at the time, maybe I didn't really how think did, about how it. How did you deal with that? Like that, must, that mustn't have been Look, easy. I only went twice, I'll be honest. Okay. Because I did tell my mom, I was like, I'll pre I prefer playing with the boys rather than yeah. playing with people twice the size of me. Um, but you were that good, like that they actually were like. <laughs> Honestly, I think I I peaked a bit later in that sense, but uh -huh. um, I was I was okay, I was decent, and 
but yeah, it was so weird to me that I couldn't train with girls my age because mm-hmm. there weren't any. You know, there were like you'd find a girl, maybe like what one out of five clubs mm-hmm. max. But nowadays, I'm like every time I go to a, a club and they kind of like request that maybe I speak to the kids and stuff, it makes me so happy because. I have like this huge group of girls in front of me and I'm like telling them my experience and telling them like how 10 years ago it wasn't the same situation as it is now and they should be like grateful for that. But it's amazing to see like how far it's come. But obviously dealing it dealing with it was never like easy because yeah, you're kind of like brought up mm-hmm. in a different manner, I guess, because mm-hmm. you're always around boys because that was the only option. So yeah. <laughs> Wow. I don't think when it came to us, we ever had this. No way. I think with gymnastics, it's the basically opposite, the like, complete yeah. opposite. So speaking about my club, um, compared to every hundred girl gymnasts I get, I might, I'll get two boys. Wow, you know okay. I mean? so, so it's literally it's, the opposite. So it's literally the opposite. And I even get a lot of parents asking, like, can a boy train gymnastics? Like, obviously, yes, you can. I mean... Um, it's a guy's sport as much as it's it's a guy's sport. So I think for gymnastics is the complete opposite. Um, and speaking about athletics, um, I think we're we're quite balanced. In fact, if you if you see performances performed over the last couple of years, um, I think some women in the sport even performed better than. Um, then guys but I think we're we're quite balanced so if you if you see the national team who competed in the in the last games I think we were we were quite balanced um we had a very strong women's team um even a very strong guys team but um it was nice to see it to see a balance you know um between the teams I I Probably. definitely agree yeah. definitely I mean with gymnastics it was always like Unfortunately, more girls dominated. Like there was the national championships of gymnastics, and I I think there were like seven boys competing. Wow! Only. I think with gymnastics, it's it's similar to football. So um, when it comes to investment, when it comes to um, building a new gymnastics um, center, um, we tend to invest more in in um, the women's side of gymnastics, just because. Um, I mean you're going to get more girls training. So, um, and gymnastics is is a very expensive sport as well. So like to build a, you know, a gymnastics hall, it's it's a lot of money. And boys do different apparatus than the girls. So um, we we end up investing much more in, in the girls. Um, but with athletics as well, I think the investment was split very equal between between genders and that showed in the results because both women and both men performed um, at a very good level. So I think it all comes down to that investment being made. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, as Hayley said, I mean, football, we, we're seeing, you know, the, the women's team um, improve. And at least nowadays, you know, we see we see you on social media because, you know, when we were growing up, I would never see, no, never. you know, a never. mention, not even a mention of the women's yeah. team. Nowadays, at least... Um, as being someone who's constantly on social media, at least I see the mention, you know, and, um, yes, and that's so a very well. positive. Exactly. Yeah, and they and deserve that recognition. Exactly, definitely. Um, so at least that's that's something which is very positive, I believe. I think also for us, it's also 
especially when I'm here with the national team. Because um, obviously, playing football wherever I go, it's always special. But when I'm here with the national team, it's kind of something it's, else. Right? It's just, it's like literally indescribable. Because even like yesterday, as we were coming down with the plane, and I'm just like looking outside the window, and I get this like just raw emotion, uh, like just a feeling sensation that I'm like, like, wow, I'm home now, you know? Yeah. Um, especially when we play here as well having families, having our friends there. I think it's also like just the pride in it for us. So coming from nothing practically, because we have certain players over the age of 35 now, and they've been here for the past 20 years when we didn't have kids. They wouldn't have like shoes to play with. Paved the way for everyone. Literally like no place to train at. They would and they fought for that. And like, I wouldn't be where I am today without like those people that probably don't get mentioned as much, but they deserve to. And it's, even if I don't like think of them every day, they still know like how grateful I am and the rest of the young players are because without them, we wouldn't be where we are today, especially in the national team. And finally, we're just getting like the investment we need on in all aspects. And it's, it's showing like we're getting results and yeah, it's just, uh, kind of a proud feeling for us I guess do you guys relate to this to the sense of pride that she's mentioning when you're competing for your own country is it is it a different level for sure <laughs> um, it's definitely I mean this year was the first the first time I competed for Malta in athletics before it was gymnastics and it, no actually it was last year but like I remember when I'm like oh I'm gonna compete for Malta again like it's such a nice feeling where you're just, again, you're representing your country and you're putting your country out there, especially us coming from such a small place. So it's it's a great feeling. Definitely. I mean, and um, competing on that level um, is nice. I mean, you're competing against other big countries. Um, like every competition I go to when I'm competing for Malta, I try and take in as much as I can you know what other countries have um, what other athletes do I mean you meet new people um, I still have friends um, we've made through gymnastics which was 10 years ago now and we still you know constantly speak and um, so it's it's a whole experience you know I mean it comes with its pressures obviously which we've already mentioned I mean um for us in an individual sport I'm just competing for myself you know when I have a, a competition in Malta it's just me I'm competing for myself I know what my target is if I don't reach it okay I'm gonna be pissed off I'm gonna work harder but then once you're competing for Malta it's not just you know competing for yourself now you actually need to get the result now I mean the association believed in you you have been chosen to compete but now you know you need you need can, to perform. Can I ask a question on this? Yes, of course. Okay to do so. <laughs> Just to get permission. Um, so I think it goes like on the line of like mental and all that stuff. So like whenever you're competing, um, especially Malta against another country, is there like that inferiority feeling kicking in? Like, Ooh, okay. Because I feel like that's always been big for us. Yes, definitely. We're kind of knocking it down bit by bit, but yeah. it's still there in some ways. And I think... As soon as we get rid of like that inferiority thing, we're yeah, like, we're, we can fly. I think know? it's it's even the the basic things. So um, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, 
Um, I already mentioned I went up to the World Championships and I just went up on my own with a representative without my coach being there, not even having, a, you know, a medical team, a physiotherapist, nothing. Wow. So, and then you arrive there and you see, you know, team yeah. Italy <laughs> with their, you know, medical teams, um, six coaches, you know, one, one for each event. <laughs> and I'm just there, you know, um, training without my coach even there, you know, so it's it definitely, you know, so that's it like a natural influence. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely hits you and um you know even even during competition i mean um seeing those big big countries you know um compete and then you have to compete against them mm-hmm. but yes as Haley said i think it is improving i think the more we invest in sports and the more we start to believe that as a country we can achieve more um i think we will achieve more because the mentality up until a few years ago was that um, we just participate in these, you know, huge events um, in each sport. I think it was like that. And, you know, we're just there to participate. Nowadays, um, speaking from our sports, we're in it not only to participate, but um, to perform and even get the results um, that Malta deserves, basically. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we don't see how far we already got with sometimes the little we have. I remember once I, when I was back in gymnastics, I had gone and competed at Commonwealth Games. And they asked me, so how many, how many hours do you train? I told them three, three and a half. Per only. Day. They're like, only? Like, we train like seven hours a day. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, it's practically that exists. <laughs> and like, they, told, they told me, they're like, for the level you're at with that training only like it's amazing so we have so much so much to offer like Maltese athletes we we have we have the talent we have the ability it's just sometimes we need that bit of help so like even nowadays so for athletics we don't have an indoor track so we have the next couple of months tight we have training today or is it going to rain weather permitting <laughs> so that's putting us throughout pre-season it's a very important time for our to to get better in the sport to work more on the technicalities of it we are in face of massive setback because we can't do it unfortunately so i think sometimes we we have to see like wow considering everything we have we have gone really far so even like the games we just had i'm pretty sure almost all the countries have an indoor track so and we still came up on top considering for example we don't have that that's just one thing to mention like so system like we lack i think the problem is not talent the problem is not not having athletes to perform the problem is the whole system around it so um, and the, the, it requires a mentality shift, right? Exactly. Because in Malta, we're often seeing sports as a hobby. That exactly. is a recurring team. It is not exactly. seen as something that can be done Definitely. professionally. Definitely. I think it's 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 the whole mentality. And um, me, myself, being a student athlete for five, six years, um, I mean, in univer- I was always a student athlete from a young age, but at university and at um, post-secondary level, um our education system doesn't work hand in hand with having another career yeah. and that's a huge problem because in Malta um we as an athlete I can't afford to be an athlete on a full-time basis 
because no one will pay me in my sport. Um, in most sports. In most sports. <laughs> so it's uh, so we need to have another career. But then if the educational system doesn't help you balance out both careers, then it's very hard for athletes to succeed. Mm-hmm. So apart from the mentality, um, it's the whole system. system which needs to change, which needs to improve and understand um, that sport can be a career in itself. That pretty much applies mm-hmm. for every sport in Malta, I think. Yeah. Because, I mean, I wouldn't have it, ever had the option of doing what I do professionally here and making a living of it. Like, that is not even... And it's really sad. It's so sad. Because even, for example, nowadays, okay, my job is in the afternoon. So I go train in the morning on my own, sometimes without a coach. So it's it's usually just out of passion. I go, you you don't get paid or whatever. But And then, oh, but why aren't you going to training? I need to live somehow. I need to go work. So it's it's very sad that there isn't that, that support for athletes because yes the student life is really hard the student athlete but at the same time you're like okay i'm still a student mm-hmm. there is there is my mom and dad mm-hmm. so but then when there when you start working that's when things become just like I, I, i'm this year i'm telling you i spent the whole year training mostly alone my mom coming and taking videos of me to send them to my coach which, oh, wow. so it it is very difficult and there has to be some sort of change to try and help these athletes because then why is it that so many athletes stop at such a young age because they cannot do otherwise sometimes i recently i had someone they told me but you have to choose like now told them no (laughs) i don't want to like i want to see how i'm gonna like try and balance everything out but it's very very difficult Mm -hmm. and it's not just you as you mentioned um Let's say you do get paid to train full-time and you can train morning and evening. If your coach is not paid to be with you on a full-time basis, then, that's also then, it's, then it's also oh, an issue. Okay. So with a sport like exactly. ours, at least, um, if in the mornings, because I even train twice a day, if in, in the mornings I can do certain strength and conditioning work that he gives me, etc., I am old enough and I have the experience to do them alone. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening, I can do the technical work with him watching me. Um, but obviously, it would be much more beneficial if my coach is with me all the it's time. But my coach has to work in the mornings. It's a whole he's own, thing. You know, it's... it's there's no, like, there's not, like, an easy way out of it. No, exactly. It's <laughs> like, you know, the whole... I think we, we have come we have come far, so... Definitely, um, definitely. We're not disputing that. But exactly. if you had to, like, if you had to suggest one thing... How can we actually make this better? How can we actually better the system to actually support athletes to pursue their sports as a full-time career? How do you imagine this happening? A project, like a whole project coming. A massive project. A big one. <laughs> and like we might not even, like we might be old. We <laughs> might not even be alive. <laughs> need it, oh, literally. This was like, our idea. <laughs> no, it's true though. It. Like if you think, think about it. It's, uh, I always mention that it has to start from school um, at from schools that's, and that's at primary at kindergarten level we cannot have our schools um teaching Maltese every day mm-hmm. and PE once every two weeks that is showing clearly that academics are more important than an academic that, that an academic career is more important important than any other career 
we're talking about sports because we're all involved in sports, but there is drama, there is singing, there is the arts, arts exactly. you know? Yeah. So anything beyond academics in our schools is considered as a second option, as something on the side. Jump in. Malt actually has the highest rate of obesity in children. As well. So Obviously, because we're teaching our young that, listen, if you do sports once every two weeks, it's enough as long as you're sitting down for the rest of the day at in class, you know, paying attention yeah. to what the, ch- the teacher is saying. So it has to start from there. Once we start changing that mentality and, you know, um, kids grow up loving sports and loving other things, you know, like as we mentioned, the arts. And then as they grow up, you know, the system will improve, hopefully. And at our level, then you can have athletes training on a full-time basis. I think I see it in like my younger brother, for example. So he he was never like really interested in football or sports in general. And I think he's 10 now. So he we try to like obviously get him into football because the whole family is at some point gone through football. And he didn't want to really be a part of that, which is understandable. And obviously we like offered him the chance to go to another sport. Yet he didn't want that. And obviously I do understand that sport might not be for everyone. But so for him, I feel like had it not been him being brought up in a sport family, he would have never taken up football now. So now he does play football and he loves it. But had it not been for like me and my older brother and my dad playing football in the past and like being involved in sport, he wouldn't have done it. Because even when I like ask him certain basic questions about like, How's school going? And like, are they even like doing physical education? I feel like they're just kind of avoiding they're giving. Not exposing children they're not, to, to different. They're actually hiding them from it, which is crazy to think about. Because and as well, like apart from exposing, thing. it's raising awareness that sport and just this healthy lifestyle is so beneficial mm-hmm. and it brings so many values that, okay, ad- academics are going to help, obviously. But in reality, in life, you need values. Mm-hmm. And you learn these values through things like sport. Mm-hmm. The experiences, discipline, yeah, commitment. Exactly. So, and, yeah. and that's what you need in life. Okay, you can learn this book, kind yeah. of. Yeah. But it's, it's uh, values like how you said, dedication, determination, and perseverance, and all these amazing values that without sport, I wouldn't have learned. And that's what gets you far in life, I feel. And we have to yeah. also understand that it can actually be a career. So like, exactly. for example, taking us three year full-time athlete, um, I coach full-time and I also train. So out of sport, I have a full-time career, even though it's not me being an athlete, but I'm still involved in the sports. Exactly. And Sana as well works, you know? So, um, so it can actually lead you to having a full-time career. Like yeah. I've studied and... Um, I've gotten my degree and my master's and I practically don't even use, you know, like, okay, yeah, it's there, yeah. but if I need it, I can go into teaching, etc. But ultimately, ultimately, it's my sporting career itself, which has led me to my full-time career. It's not the, you know, education part of it. It helped, obviously, and it's always beneficial to have it. I'm not saying, listen, let's forget about the academics and focus only on sports, but... It's a bit more balanced approach. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we've mentioned training a lot already, and I want to ask all of you, what does a typical day of training look like for you? 
Um, of course, I, I understand that it varies whether you have a big match coming up or whether it's just your um, day-to-day training. But on an average, like how many hours are you putting into your sport on a daily basis? I think you, tra- you probably train more than me, to be honest. Because I feel like football oh, okay. is quite like... Um, general in the sense of like we are prepping for a game so it's every weekend there's a game sometimes we'll have two games in in a week and we can't risk having our bodies like being too tired Mm -hmm. to perform so preseason is it's crazy like it's just running all the time practically and it's probably my least favorite part of football um (laughs) we do have to run a lot (laughs) but we do have to run a lot so that kind of prepares us for the whole season um i think my normal kind of day-to-day training would be waking up at like 7 30 um going into the facility having breakfast um we'd have our like pre-warm-up which is personal things you need to do before you actually go into the warm-up so like if you i don't know we have like an ankle problem you have to work on that um the physios will, will be there to help so they'll give you like guidelines and stuff like that um and then the warm-up starts and it's normally like with our physical coach and he'll just take care. It's like normally half an hour. Then we'll go out um, on the field. Again, we'll keep warming up practically because it's a whole process of getting our bodies in the best shape of actually training. And then training will be two-hour stops and we'll pretty much be done after that unless you want to like do some extra work. And then on certain days, we'll have gym right after. So we'll just finish from the field, get back in the gym, half an hour at most um work on like explosive stuff maybe um position specific stuff so if i'm a forward need to be working more on specific things and yeah so that's like what my normal day looks like and then i'll rest pretty much for the rest of the day so yeah nice nice with your dog dog, obviously (laughs) what about you claire um so i train for around four or four and a half hours a day um in the morning i have a two-hour session which is basically um strength and conditioning flexibility it's basically injury prevention so what hayla mentioned that they do before um their training session i do it as a completely separate session in the morning um sometimes i even have some runs um because i'm a jumper mainly but i do need to run unfortunately <laughs> i hate it as like well. no one likes running here. and i can relate <laughs> all hate running. Yeah. i can relate i hate pre-season with a passion it's like the period where i start questioning why am i doing this because <laughs> i completely hate it um but yeah so that's basically my morning um and then in the afternoon i have another two hour most most of the times it's it's not more than two hours sometimes two and a half depends on on the work that we have to put in um and it, it's mostly technical so um would be doing jumps in the sand i mean it's not that intense like you jump you rest you jump you rest but um uh, that's my my afternoon session and that would be with my coach um observing obviously um what i'm doing and is more required from you when you're in preseason um, much the same pretty much the same it's just um getting your body fit again <laughs> to to start doing more intensive work it's the so, same amount of time but like more exactly yeah. exactly um so it's basically we wouldn't start jumping straight away um during preseason 
because that would risk injury but first we would you know do a lot of plyo- plyometric work to get our you know body ready for that more intense training later on in the season okay all right and you and he's a bit different <laughs> um so w- for pole vault we train like we have the running side we have jumps we have the strength and conditioning and gym aspect um but typically i train in the mornings or maybe like late mornings kind of so i like my mornings at home and in the afternoon i work so i have like a let's say two hour session tops Mm -hmm. in the in the morning and then get ready for my work day because it always starts in the afternoon that's pretty much like my typical day-to-day all right okay okay and do you feel that you balance the demands of your sport with other aspects of your life does it sometimes get too much I think um, what's important is like prioritizing. Yeah. I think that is very, very important. And that's something that I learned even from a young age, when it, whether it was like exam period, focusing more on the studying. And when it was competition time, I kn- knew I needed to focus more on competition. Doesn't mean you cut out one for the other, because yeah. unfortunately we do see a lot of that. Um, for example, oh, it's exam period, so there's no one training. So that's really sad. I, I've always said, okay, you go, but at least minimize the time, maybe if you want to go and focus more on studying. Um, uh, so I think something very important is that time management, that time, that prioritization on depending what is important at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, um, it's planning as well. So in my case, I try to plan ahead as much as possible. So, um, for example, if um, the girls I coach are competing, then I would plan their um, training, their competition in a way that it doesn't clash with mine. Um, if I went um, a couple of months ago, I went abroad with the girls to compete abroad. I made sure that um, it doesn't clash with my training. So I spoke to my coach, we arranged my training schedule um, and made sure that I can keep training as well as, you know, going abroad on work and, and coaching my girls. So I think just planning ahead, knowing what the season is going to offer, what mm-hmm. potential competitions you want to qualify for and you want to, you know, compete in. And also planning, in my case, my work schedule in a way that it doesn't clash. So nowadays, I find it quite easy to balance out. Um, I'm, I'm, I think opposite to what Sana said, I'm quite more relaxed. Um working rather than studying as a student it was like too hectic you know start off in the morning go to training straight away to lectures for six hours then straight away to training go home i'm exhausted have to do assignments you know so um i i prefer working rather than (laughs) and studying i i i can balance it out much easier Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna have a different situation to that in the sense that after my work is done practically which is football mm-hmm. i'll have pretty much the rest of the, the day to myself and that's like my downtime but it can also be kind of annoying in the sense that if i've had a bad a bad session i'm just gonna spend the rest of the day thinking about it mm-hmm. so i feel like at times for example when i used to be here like being in malta it was kind of easier in a way because if i would have a bad training I kind of know I have something after that I need to like op- occupy my mind with. Whereas nowadays it's a bit more difficult because obviously I don't I don't have 
the kind of the the same lifestyle anymore mm-hmm. so it's like very different okay. and I feel like all my friends from abroad are football friends mm-hmm. so even if we go out we're still gonna mention football which is at times maybe a bit annoying in the sense that you can't like get away from it mm-hmm. which can also like be a bit difficult um but again my dog is helping so much with that I think like I think yeah, after this it's like get a dog everyone I think you have like the you know like for at least like you have the best scenario like you have a whole team around you you know you can rest between sessions but like we have to keep in mind that it can get very tough you know like being a full-time athlete is not just you know fun because you're doing what you love I mean it's it's, it's your like work you know exactly yeah. like a whole, it's yeah. your work so I imagine that it yeah. can be very challenging because um I do it myself when I have a um very stressful period in my training I make sure that I you know whilst I'm coaching I just focus on the girls And, you know, forget about my occupy training. My I occupy my mind with my girls. That's I focus so on them. I plan their sessions. I make sure that my mind is focusing on something else. And then after that, I would, you know, have calmed down from the bad exactly. session that I had. And then I can mm-hmm. relax and, and continue the rest of the day. So I can imagine that it it does get tough. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now let's flip it a bit. Of course, like with such a dedication to consistent training, you maintain a regime, um, you have your own routine. And you've also practiced at such a high level. Proud moments are un- are undoubtedly going to come with it as well. Um, so what has been your proudest moment in your sporting career? That's tough, though. <laughs> I actually have one for gymnastics. Mm-hmm. So for gymnastics, um, uh, having qualified for Commonwealth was like a very big thing for me. But the day of the competition... In the warm-up, I had a really, really bad fall and locked both my knees. And, like, I just I just started crying. I didn't, I couldn't feel my legs for a second. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I came all the way to Australia and I'm not going to compete. Oh. And I, I just remember feeling so, so bad. I remember going to my, my coach coming, checking up on me and, like, physios and doctors and everything. I went to the bathroom. I remember looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, son you came to Australia tape up your legs and you're gonna compete like and I had a really really good competition after it you were in pain though I was in pain the 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 worst was the following days those were the worst um but I remember going out into like and just seeing the crowd was massive I had never seen anything like it and just like all the pain just left for that split second yes for for that while and I think that showed me like my mental toughness that was built throughout all these years and it showed me the type of sp- sports person I am and I think that was probably one of my proudest gymnastics moments and just proudest moments in my life I guess because I mean sometimes you you f- you get a lot of obstacles your way and a lot of hurdles but it's like finding a way to overcome them and finding a way to like keep fighting for what you want I think that would be It was worth it then. It was worth it for sure. (laughs) Wow, that must have been incredible then to complete. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Just, I have a feeling that like nowadays, even even in athletics, I end up falling in my warm-up. Like, like in the GSSC, I had a really bad fall in my warm-up again. Like I hit my head on the day in the warm-up. And I'm just like... This cannot become a thing. Like this cannot be my ritual, because <laughs> it's like 
I had, um, uh, but I had, like, that was a really, like, proud moment as well. Like, I remember GSSC, I was placed sixth, and I ended up finishing third because I PP'd on the day. So, like, it's like, okay, I, I would do work well under this pressure, kind yeah. of. So, uh, I mean, there are a lot of proud moments, and I think what's, what's really, like, the the proudest is throughout the training sessions like as you were saying we go through a lot of like down periods maybe injuries and so on and have being able to overcome them being able to push through and fight and keep focusing on the goals you have and I think those are all like little proud moments that we need to always remember of yeah I think mine would be like two kind of different moments so I think one would be like with the I think it was two years ago now, away with the national team. And we weren't, like, really going to win anything. We weren't, like, going to top the group. But it was, I think, like, the most points achieved by any, like, um, even men's, um, by any, like, football group mm-hmm. um, in a qualifying stage. And we needed, like, two wins to actually obtain that uh, achievement. And the first game away at Georgia... And it was during COVID time. And that game became the youngest player in Europe to score a hat-trick, which is three goals in one game, yeah. um, in a qualifying stage. And I think that was like a record that's been held for 30 years or so. Um, so that was a nice moment. And then the game after won against Israel away. And that was like the one that kind of sealed the deal. The deal. Yeah. And... Yeah, it was just like so much emotion. Literally, like wow, game hasn't even amazing. finished yet. It's two zero to us, and I'm like already crying because I'm like, <laughs> oh, like can't wait to get back home and see my family, you know, and celebrate. And then I think I ha- I was having like a really difficult period before the I think it's like the Sport Malta Sports Person of the Year thing award, and um. and that was having like a really difficult period before that. I was like. Injury after injury, um, struggling mentally. And then that night, I remember like calling, I was done on uh, Zoom Mm -hmm, mm because it was during COVID. And I I remember like setting up my hotel room to be like a nice setting. My roommate was there from Romania and she was waiting in the bathroom because she didn't want to like make a noise. And I remember like as soon as they said my name, I was like crying and she literally came over so they can see her on the on the footage. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just like it meant so much just because of the moment I was going through and then it helped me get out of that moment. So mm-hmm. I think at times, like you said, you like you work, like literally like you work so much yeah. to like have these like little moments. And then as you said, the start, you have to savor them because like mm-hmm. they just pass by and they're like, they're a memory, you know? And so that's why I have to enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. Clear. Um, for me as well, um, so I think as an athlete, your aim is always to compete at the highest level possible, basically. So um, I had a particular year. Um, I was going through a very tough period just because uh, my friend, my very close friend was battling cancer and he ended up passing away. Um, and it was the same year where I, I PB'd and so I did the best jump I have had ever done. And it was the jump which helped me qualify for three important and very high-level competitions, which were the European Championships, World Championships, and also the Commonwealth Games. And they came right after each other, so I was very overwhelmed. 
Um, but but I was very proud that through that tough period, I managed to you know qualify and and go to those games. But also, Haley mentioned after a game going back to the to her family, you know, and so um, the proudest moment would be the last small nations. Um, where I managed to win basically the three events that I competed in. And it was special, not just because I won the events, but just because I could straight away celebrate with my closest people. So when we go to these big tournaments and competitions, you know, like even if you perform well, it's just you, your coach, your representative, and you know, you get just your like, <laughs> if you, you get, get your coach <laughs> there, and you're just like, okay, I participated, you know. Um, in Malta, it was different, you know, all my friends were there to support, you know, all my family was there. Um, so, so it was very special to be able to, for once, you know, celebrate alongside them. Well, ladies, this has been such an inspirational conversation. I'm sure people listening at home will also find it as inspiring as I have while sitting on this table. Um, We'll finish off. I want to give you all the opportunity to give your closing advice, your advice for aspiring athletes. What advice would you give to young girls or even a younger version of yourself who is aspiring to pursue a career in sports? Hayley? Um, I think I'd really just say chase your dream. Um, because as I grew older and I kind of developed this dream of going abroad, um, being a professional footballer, I was also dealt with like many obstacles that kind of were holding me back from doing that. Um, but literally didn't have a care in the world and I just went for it. And I'm so grateful that I did. I'm so grateful that I had like so many people kind of rooting for me because maybe it would have been really different had they not been there. Um, but I've always believed that like, you know, every single kind of person that I've met along my journey has kind of been placed there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Whether that's been in a negative, you know, like um, had a negative effect or a positive one. I feel like everything's happened for a reason. And I think just kind of ride the waves, you know, I think it can definitely get a bit overwhelming, but just you don't have to fight it. You just have to kind of go with it in a way. So I think chase your dream. Um, Don't take no for an answer. And yeah, just believe in yourself. So yeah. And get a dog. And get a dog. (laughs) (laughs) You love her dog. Yeah, yeah. Get a dog. I think mine would be dedicate your heart and everything you do in life, whether it's sport, whatever, whatever, just and chase your dream. Like obstacles are gonna come your way, but at the end of the day, if if it's what you want in your life, you find a way. I think that's that's the most important thing. Just always love what you do. Simple as that. <laughs> so important, right? So important to have like your passion embedded within your life, and that way you will always be happy. And to find to find that passion, yeah. Because sometimes we live in a very hectic life nowadays, um, uh, and sometimes we don't have that time to ourselves to actually like see who we are and maybe what our likes are and mm. what who we are out of sports. Because that's something as well that we really. But that's a whole podcast, <laughs> so let's not Part get two. into it. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day. Yes, we have our sport, but we're also we have another identity apart from sport, and I think that's that's another beautiful thing. Like, <laughs> um, for me, it would just be um, 
to tell young athletes to just keep pushing and um, to dream big because we were all once young athletes. I mean, you we still I are think, young. I mean, we still are young, but Wait. you know, like the younger. This is True. the young women's younger. edition. Okay. <laughs> True. Um, younger. Um, I don't think, I mean, personally, for sure, I never believed that I could um, achieve so much from the sport. But, you know, I just kept pushing through it all, kept my goals always on my mind. And mm. that's what ultimately helped me achieve them. So I think it's just, you know, letting them know that even when it gets tough, as long as you keep showing up and you never give up, um, then it's not the end. Because as long as you keep showing up, then there is still a chance, you know, to achieve your dreams. Ladies, thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you. And thank you. I really hope that this show um, touches the right people and and um, inspires people just as much as I've been inspired in the last one hour and a half. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Wow. Hey. And cut.